Hi everyone, and welcome to Invisible Not Broken, and please excuse my chickens, they are awfully chatty this morning. Today's episode is intense and political. It is also everything that I wanted it to be. We cover being sick in America and what that means to a family's plans and finances. What childhood trauma can do and what it's like to be sick, and I mean really sick and searching for a diagnosis. Listen all the way to the end for some truly amazing slam poetry. I mean, she blew my mind with her poetry. It is stunning. And forgive us for running off topic. It was such a result of meeting someone I knew and adored before we had ever even met. If you enjoy, please hit that subscribe button and never miss another episode. If you love Invisible Not Broken and want to show support, leave a glowing review on iTunes. Thank you so much and I will see you soon. In the meantime, be kind, be gentle, and be a badass, and please forgive all of my chickens. I am good with not private person. <laughs> um, I got sick of not saying things, and I kind of felt like if people didn't want me to say it, they should behave better, so. You know, I have um, recently had some conversations with people who are coming out of, of trauma or chronic trauma, and like the ways that the term gaslighting has become more understood among common culture. Yes. And we were talking about... Um, those of us who have this level of, I'm sorry, I just cannot be bothered with untrue facts because it's hard enough keeping track of what's actually happening. I feel like this... Are you going political or personal? Because both, I think that can go both. Both. But like the personal one that I'm talking about right now, I feel like it's almost a direct response to years of gaslight because like there comes a time when you're like, okay, grass is green, water is wet, this floor right here is made of wood, I think, right? Like, I'm not sure that's the worst possible example because it's made of laminate, but it does look very, very floored wood-like. You know, I mean, there are certain things, I'm like, look, this is a rug. Okay, yeah. I'm good. I know there's a rug here, and you know, cat is feline, they sure. say meow, they, right. yeah. I'm pretty sure the sky's still blue. Um, <laughs> because what you're dealing with, if I understood correctly when we were talking before, is something that I think is really important to talk about, and I think in a lot of ways is more frustrating than what many of the interviews I've done is, which is near diagnosis or having trouble yeah. getting the actual diagnosis. Can you talk about what some of your symptoms are that you... Um, I mean, I have... Um, okay, so it's become clear that my fascia, 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 I don't know how to pronounce words that I only read on paper <laughs> or in the internet, but um, is all aggravated and tight. And so I wonder if myofascial pain syndrome so might be part of it. what would that be? Like a fascia would be a... It's the connective tissue beneath all that's in between everything else. Okay. So like it's the connective tissue that goes from under the skin and then loops around all the organs and it's tight, which means all my organs are fighting against that. Like, wow. Um, I have like, I'll get sick easily and I don't get well easily and I'll get, um, layered small injuries that are almost impossible to ever fully heal from. And like, it just like I'm frail and it pisses me off because you're not old. I started like in elementary school having chronic pain and there's a lot of, I, I've, one of the shittiest comforts other humans have ever offered me was that um, those of us who live with chronic pain long enough to get old suddenly find it a lot easier because those around us are in pain too. And I'm just like, you know what? Screw you. I don't want to be celebrating the fact that everyone else is finally in pain with me. Just because no. like, now we, we're in our 30s or 40s or 50s and we start getting like injuries from soccer or some shit. And I'm over here going, you know, I've been dealing with this since I was in the single digits and I'm still mad about that. <laughs> it's not like it equalizes it. I mean, like my father is very sick and I have to remind him that he had till he was in his late 50s and 60s before he was 
it's unable amazing. to function. And I was unable to function by my 30s. Right. I have to sometimes remind myself that people actually don't have pain. That some people out there really just don't. What is that like? I, I can't even Seriously. imagine. I was talking to John about the questions he sent us. And he's like, you know, there was a time in my 20s when I looked around and realized it had been two years since I had so much to stub my toe. And I was like... Here's some salt, here's the wound. Thank you for, for passing down some of your constitution to our kids, dude. Like, <laughs> seriously, I'm over here going, um, okay, so let's see. Um, when I was 18 years old, our family doctor told me that I had the same average daily pain as an 80-year-old. And it has not gotten better since. I'm 40 now. So were they giving you diagnosis like fibromyalgia or were they? The, uh, well, the, the closest they would come to, because like I had insurance for a while when I was living with my dad and then I moved out and then I live in America and access to healthcare <laughs> is just this thing. Um, <sighs> but like a lot of them would go to PTSD. Okay. Which in recent years, there's actually more research into that whole adverse childhood effects and how it affects your future health, and they just didn't have that as the schema yet in my 20s and mm-hmm. teens. Um, and I've heard a lot of people are really tempted to tell me I have fibro, which I can see why they think that, but I also, my ex-wife had fibro, and I lived with her for eight years. Like, I remember yeah, what... Yeah, you saw it close. I did, and I, and I don't have all the trigger points. Like, I have some of them, mm-hmm. but not all, and so it just doesn't quite fit, um... I wouldn't be surprised if a doctor eventually gave me chronic fatigue as a as a de- definition, just from what I've seen of, of her issue. Like, a lot of what I did over those years was notice the ways that we did and did not have the same problems, right? Okay. And so, like, the chronic fatigue symptoms that they were always working with her on, I was like, well, that feels freaking familiar, right? And now they're starting to actually see that it there's real background in it. There's the real medical and science behind chronic fatigue that they used to just go, oh, female tired. Uh, That's fatigue. Like this has been like the string through all the interviews I've been doing is we need new words for chronic stuff. Like fatigue for someone who's has a new baby or has studied all night They They think they've got tired and yeah. there's a difference when it's every day or I need to take a shower and then I'll need a nap directly after. Right. Right. And then that that thing of of predicting the fallout of any particular activity and the the way that it's so um unpredictable. Like it's like chaos theory. Like I don't know if I can clean the house today or not. Yeah. And and I think maybe I can, especially if I'm really careful and move like water. Like I have to be really thoughtful at all times about how I walk and how I move and we got to that part about do people know, like, how is it different for you where people um, judge you by, like, can they tell that you're in pain? And John was like, people can't tell. You are stealthy AF. Like, he's like, in, until you tell them, mm-hmm. he's like, you don't show it in a limp. You don't, like, he's like, you are really stealthy and, and invisible about all of this. And I was like, you know, I, I still put that down to... Um, herd animal weakness like I don't want to show that I could be picked off right like I don't want anyone to know (laughs) I I had not thought about that until you know it's so true I mean I'm like over here as the weakest gazelle going shit someday the wolf is coming I'm fine I'm just gonna go back to a job that I can kind of sort of halfway do (laughs) don't mind me going back to childhood trauma because I Myself, I got into like rougher schools, and if you showed weakness, you could get into a lot of trouble. I had been abused as a child, and showing any weakness there was really dangerous. Yeah. Do you think any of like that 
bled through on the I'm okay, it's all okay. <laughs> totally, now that you mention it, I was um, I was the perpetual new kid because mom and I were a lot more homeless than I realized at the time. And um, so I went to, God, one of my friends actually made me like pin it down recently and I'm pretty sure we moved somewhere in the vicinity of 27 times before I turned 13, before I turned 14. I went to like 10 different elementary schools or something. It was just, she would try to keep me in one school for each school year and we would move around in the neighborhood. Yeah. But um, there were times when it, it didn't work out. Like I went to three different schools for fifth grade and like I was constantly the new kid with the red hair who blew all the curves because I was a reader and in Texas being an intelligent Oh, you were in child, Texas. No, yeah. Wow, wow. I bow down. I mean, you both sound like you and your mom are badasses. My like. mother is Rambo with blonde hair. She looks like she's, <laughs> she's amazing. She's like this little Goldie Hawn who can pick up cars or some shit. I'm sure of it. But like, um, she was working in construction and I was trying to be on my absolute best behavior to make the world better because like you know Disney teaches us that <laughs> Disney teaches so many things and so many horrible things. the worst of it I think is that I could pull a ribbon through my hair and it will just land perfectly and what the fuck is wrong with these animals that they're not cleaning my house right now seriously I keep waiting I they're sing slackers. nicely to them and they just look at me I know like, yeah I should have a whole bunch of dresses made by mice I should say, though, we moved to this place in Berkeley, and I was out on my balcony, and I'm, like, working on this art project, like, in my new renaissance of realizing my hands will do things that I thought they would never do again, and I'm, like, actually embroidering a tree, because I can now? I don't know. And I'm standing there, and I'm doing this, and I'm like, this is a very princessy activity, (laughs) And then this hummingbird, (laughs) no lie, comes up and, like, hovers next to me and tweets, like, hey, how you doing? And I was like... Hi, and then he just like literally was annoyed with me and then flew away because I obviously wasn't understanding him well enough. <laughs> and so then it took me months after that to learn that my neighbor in the back has a, has a hummingbird grotto and they come and find people when the food is empty. <laughs> so you just did not understand that your job was as human to I start was like, feeding. A bird just talked to me on my balcony. <laughs> and you misunderstood. A bird just talked to me. Is it going to braid my hair? <laughs> Instead of invisible illnesses, you have an invisible superpower to I be guess. a Disney princess. I don't know. <laughs> I could use some of that I'm magic. I'm loving this story because, yeah. I mean... I'm usually the fairy godmother. And you walked into the house and my dire wolf, who is usually incredibly nervous around anyone, jumped into... 82 pounds jumped into your lap and decided that you were his best friend. So I like that puppy. <laughs> he was ready to go home with you. <laughs> and I've never seen that. I'm kind of an animal whisperer sometimes. So we started talking about your chronic pain. Um, yes. Is this muscle pain? Is it... Is it um, widespread? Is it in a particular spot? Is it's, it? It's widespread. Um, I do feel like I'm quicker to injure my muscles, but it's like um, it's the the fascia that goes everywhere, okay. like the inflammation. John's actually gotten me working a lot on on finding and lowering sources of inflammation. Um, I don't know. I've had chronic pain since. Like, in middle school, they started really looking at my spine and trying to figure out, because I had a mild scoliosis, but it didn't seem bad enough for the amount of pain I was living in as a 13-year-old, right? Yeah. (laughs) So they were like, why? (laughs) Um, They were like, yeah, it's a little wobbly here, but, but I mean, at that point, I wasn't able to deconstruct any of my life yet, so who knows? Um, And then I, in my early 20s, blew out all the nerves in both my arms doing tech support at Apple. Wow. So I um, 
proceeded to spend most of my 20s in workers' comp disability, and uh, I had six surgeries on my arms oh my in that time God. period. Um, so that didn't help the overall body chronic pain, but it did add, like, it adds a new vector to it. And was this before or after children? This is way before. I okay. was 21 when it happened. I was, like, um, trying to work for a few years to save up to apply for colleges without my family's information so that I could go to college. And instead, I ended up disabled and getting cut open over and over again. The best laid plans. I mean, you know, I could have picked a better hobby. Um. <laughs> and a less expensive one. Being chronically ill has to be the most expensive hobby. Right? I was supposed to actually have a career in life. Like, I had a brain and the will to use it. And yeah. family who was like, yay, go college. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to go out and fix the world. I was like, my brain is a fucking terrible thing to waste. Thank yes. you. Like, in, in a world with, in a country with a rational support system for its citizens... <sighs> What could I have done by now to help the And if world? college had been free. Uh, exactly. If, if college was free. College, the freedom to dream, right? Single-payer health care. Like, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness requires, like, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. They're not kidding when mm-hmm. they say that to people. And if people could understand that the start line is in different places for people. That is so huge. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, this is restorative justice at its core, is when we start looking around and going, you know, when we teach preschoolers that they don't get to just say I'm sorry they have to make it better we're trying to lay the groundwork for a world in which we actually make each other's lives better and maybe we should follow through on more of that that would be lovely (laughs) again we're two Disney princesses and we're gonna start singing and dancing with the animals but honestly I think it could be I don't think this is out of the realm like, the idea that this will cost our country a lot for single-payer and for free college, I get that that's an outlay. What I don't get is, don't you realize we're paying it already? And more. With we're paying so prisons more. and with welfare and with food stamps. These are important things as a catch-all, but they would drop significantly if we then have a higher tax base and people are paying into taxes at a higher rate because they are now able to work jobs that pay more that they can pay more to taxes it it doesn't seem that hard and it seems so inhuman the other way i'm sorry i just went on a whole tangent there (laughs) no you're totally i'm i'm like preach go for it oh i just i just met with um eric swalwell our our representative here and i just uh, went to one of his his discussions and i hadn't felt optimistic in a long time but if you want some optimism we found a lot of comfort in the democratic socialists of america meetings lately john put us up for a family membership and they are working on universal health care for california and i will take the country and so right now we're paying into Planned Parenthood we're paying into um, ACLU I mean we are we are anyone who's listening is offended uh too bad um (laughs) we believe strongly on uh everyone deserves to be healthy or at least a good chance yeah I'm I'm like um full Star Trek like take oh, care of all the people and thank you. why aren't we so happy yeah because like our buck mr fuller was this guy who um actually had i don't think he had a super important like high power job but at some point in his life he just decided like i'm a person on the earth let me see how many things i can do that's good for all humans and he ended up inventing the buckyball which is like this huge physics principle i don't know if you're familiar but it's like how geodesic domes happen okay and so one of his quotes that I carry on journals periodically is all about how, like, we have now advanced technologically to the point where we don't have to do this to each other anymore. We could yes. take care of everyone, and we just have to shift our focus from weaponry to livingry. 
And I'm like, let's do it. <laughs> that, that sounds fantastic. I, yeah, I'm in. So you do work still? I work some. I work okay. as I can. I work um, in strange, like, gig-based economy ways. So not weaving trees, but... Weaving trees. Oh, you're... oh right. right. I, I was like, if you can find a job embroidering with trees, that's kind of awesome with hummingbirds as your assistant. No, that's real. But... That's real. Um, no, that was... Um, <laughs> That was a piecemeal, like, we have a cool balcony to hang out on project. Um, I have been teaching and doing some commission artwork. Um, I haven't been able to do a lot. The teaching is particularly difficult because in the ways, like, I'm not, I'm not like a um, full-fledged accredited teacher in the system or whatever. Like, okay. I do um, piecemeal teaching of like classes. substitute or no I don't even do substitute because I'm like not um in the system at that level I do like um the after school program contract gigs oh and, um, I used to do that that was fun it is it's great I and miss it that was a blast I spent a good two or three years helping um run Curiosity Hacked in North Oakland which was a as far as we knew the only hackerspace divi- designed for kids because um they had started in another hackerspace, which is actually really cool, Ace Monster Toys, but it was an adult space, and so there was adult themes and sometimes dangerous things left out, yeah, and have the kids come in and try to make, and there's, like, axes, and like, it was not cool. So they opened up Curiosity Hacked as a, as a space wow. on Telegraph, and I went in and was like, I was trying to be the space maven, but it was not ergonomically sound in any way, shape, or form. Okay. So I went in there and I was like, um, one of the injuries that I've been nursing lately is um, in the process of losing 100 pounds, I gave myself wicked plantar fasciitis. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. If anyone does not know what that is, do you want to describe because it's so hard Every to put in words. Every step is agony and I wince away from the earth, which is like... <laughs> beautiful way to describe that <laughs> which is which is bad because it makes me pull other things right yeah. like if I'm wincing as I walk then I can't stay balanced it's it's a pain in the butt um and I, I like I'll it's apparently a maintenance illness where I just have to like baby my feet and like I have all these super expensive pairs of shoes suddenly in my life that I was <laughs> never I, I was always barefoot but I can't be barefoot anymore yeah. I can't point my toes which sucks as a mermaid because how am I get my feet in the monofin and like <laughs> Okay, wait, wait, let's back up for a minute because okay. I mean, we have gone from like you weaving with trees and, and hummingbirds to now you're a mermaid. I'm loving you. I was like, <laughs> what is this mermaid thing you speak of? I feel like I need to be a part of this. So humans, bless them. Okay, so um, how far back does mermaid go? I'm a mermaid because my grandma said so and some things just stick, especially when your grandma says so, right? Yeah. And I was growing up in her pool every summer, so of course I was a uh. mermaid. And I draw, and so I draw mermaids, and I recently realized that... Um, as Which, an... I want to put, like, a link to your drawings, because okay. I'm obsessed with your drawings. They're Thank so you. beautiful and magical, and I want a link so that everyone can see them. I hope everyone feels that way, because I might actually get to have a career someday. Oh, but you... I mean, I'm going to sell some mermaids. I don't mermaids. say it lightly. I mean, I, I don't just hand out compliments. Yeah. Like, your drawings make me jealous. Oh, like, my God. I'm in love with Thank them. You. They're beautiful. I, um... I feel like I'm failing back into being what I've always been as far as drawing because like I kept trying to be legit things that my dad would be proud to tell people at, at dinner parties or whatever mm-hmm. and every time I try it I end up at a hospital with people saying you should really not do that job. <laughs> and I'm like, I think it. we have way too much in common by the way <laughs> and we, we are destined to be friends. That's um, awesome. I, I could totally. So how does your pain work with your drawing? So um, okay. Um, 
the the tumultuous childhood and teen years and all that like drawing was my main therapeutic outlet like it was the thing that got me through and then when I um sustained my work injuries when I was 21 or so um I guess 22 anyway um I couldn't draw anymore like my hands had always been the one part of my body that would be the last to start hurting so I could draw for I could lose myself in pages and pages of sketchbooks for years and then suddenly I couldn't anymore and like the the thing where you throw things like I had that for a long time as they were working on my nerves because they completely rewired my nerve paths for my arms okay she has some serious badass scars that I am <laughs> I'm actually a little jealous because she looks like she could get into like a serious knife fight and kick ass <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> I appreciate you. It took me a lot of years to not just flat hate them. Oh, but, um, I love them. No, I like I have massive I have my whole leg re um redone. So I had like and I'm so mad because it actually started to heal and it uh-huh. looked so badass and cool. I'm like, no, I it was a shark I was attack. In a, I, was I was a tiger was, fight. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was it was a pirate fight. You should see the other guy. Yeah, <laughs> like, these are fabulous. Oh, I thank you. Um I have uh eventually over the years gotten to the point where I will actually draw them in self portraits so that Oh, that'd feels be like beautiful. Beautiful. It feels like growth. very Frida Kahlo. Yeah, I am one of. I was trading life stories with a new friend recently, and she's like, "So basically, you're Frida Kahlo without the art." And I was like, "Fuck you, yes." <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You're Frida Kahlo with the art. Well, I got the art back. Yes, and that has been blowing my damn mind because I really thought it was gone. I thought I was the artist who couldn't draw anymore for the rest of forever. And then a decade passed because you know time, right? Yeah. And I, I in those years of not being able to draw, I of course couldn't stop being an artist or trying to make so I was like I, I developed a love for photography and I like started getting into more writing and, and poetry and stuff and then we moved to Berkeley and I was like that hanging that's shading our porch is really boring I think I'm going to put a tree on it and I was amazed that I could do that much pinch and pull with my hands because yeah. I mean carpal tunnel ulnar and radial nerve damage in both arms like I was done yeah one would think and to have something that is your coping mechanism taken away is cruel I, I felt pretty shitty of the universe honestly <laughs> it was like, it was like really like, there's been enough here I mean as a kid I was already like look I'm the perpetual new kid with the red hair and the glasses and the freckles and the good at at school and I can draw and like what are you doing to me like yeah. seriously you want me to now that was when they were talking about getting me glasses I was like why <laughs> did want... you have the braces and neck gear too cause... I had braces for five freaking years I didn't ha- I had the face gear that I slept in that looked like Hannibal Lecter's mask <laughs> I swear to God, I was like, I will eat you. <laughs> oh my God. And then you talked about being overweight even as a child. Do you feel like, as I have a lot of friends um, who are obese and have things like Ehlers-Danlos and fibromyalgia, and their journey with talking to doctors <sighs> is very different than what I deal with. And it is so much meaner and oh my God. so much less seriously. Did you have problems with that? Um, during my fattest years, I didn't have access to health care. Okay. So, um, one of the things John and I talk about, cause he went ahead and jumped on the journey with me. He ended up losing 200 pounds. Oh my gosh. What a thing to do together. I don't think we would have done it if we hadn't done it together. Wow. Cause like we were holding each other up as we basically just took on habit changes after habit changes after. And I finally stopped trying to isolate what I was doing. I was like, you know, if I'm going to have a brain that rebels against anything I try to commit to, because it doesn't believe that I have continuity ability that way, right? Like, I have some serious PTSD around not being someone who will possibly be here tomorrow. 
Um, so don't rely on me because I can't guarantee to you that I won't just be grabbed in a car and have to move again. Um, bless my mother's heart. She was trying so hard to find someplace safe for us. But, um, so that inability to like, like there were years people were like, you should meditate and think positive thoughts. And I'm like, you don't understand whenever (laughs) I meditate, like I'll be imagining myself standing in the peaceful meadow and my leg will reach up and fully kick me in the head. I don't understand how it can do that because it can't do that in real life, right? And I'll be like, no, no, I'm in the meadow and my leg will kick me in the head. And I'm like, I can't do anything sustained, right? Like I can't. So a lot of losing the hundred pounds was about mentally like sidestepping myself, like figuring out why am I sabotaging myself here? How do I sabotage myself here? What's something else positive I could do today that has nothing to do with that thing I'm rebelling against right now, right? Oh, that's the thing, is rebelling against. Like, even if you look at, like, um, sustained uh, physical therapy, yeah. and then you start rebelling against that, yeah. and it's like, what, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, I have, a, I have a whole thing I call the Feel Better Bench, and it has all these different therapeutic tools. It's got my... Um, I have my own, one of those little, oh God, I know the name of it. It's the little electro zapper thing for your muscle. TENS unit? TENS unit. I have two of them. Um, it's got the TENS unit supplies in there. It's got um, all of my yoga mats and the blocks and the different rolly things yeah. for different parts of my body and like the heating pads and everything. And I'm like, how many freaking days do I walk right by the Feel Better bench and do nothing? Like I don't take pills for anything. I'll just be like, what? I feel horrible today. I felt horrible <laughs> yesterday. I'm just doing a lot of catch and release of thoughts. I'm like, oh yeah, I hurt. Okay, fine. Sure, whatever. Yeah, I gotta fuck go. It. <laughs> I gotta go make food for my kid. Like it can't hurt right now. So um, that's just where we're at. I think I got off topic. It, well, we're doing a lot of that and the, everyone's just going to have to forgive us. And it's anyone just... who has ADD who's listening to us is going to totally understand how this and, is going. And also, like, if you're dealing with chronic pain, like, it's really hard to stay yep. in a line. But anyone who's frustrated by this, read the blog. I'm going to have all of Jen's answers. <laughs> They'll be neatly written out and you won't have to deal with our meandering. I hope you're enjoying our meandering because okay. I am. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, sorry. Uh, just dislocated my knee. We're going to put that off to the side. You want me to hold this while you? I will let you hold this while I try to pop my knee back in. Do that um, thing. This is real life. Yes. <laughs> this is how, this it is how we do. Um, if I start whimpering, you can just um, ignore it. Um, so what I wanted to get to, which I'm dying to talk to you about because sure. I feel like we have way too much in common okay. that's creeping me out a little bit. It's really funny to me. Um, one of the hardest things I think for myself, and I'm curious how you're hanging with it, is you, you're raising young children with chronic illness. I am. How does this work for you every day? Is, how old are your children? Are they, like, age of reason, still, like, running out to cars, hugging them? Like, where, where are you at with all parenting you journey? Him? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was a nanny for years no. before I had children, so I'd raised, like, four, oh, gosh, six children before I had my own, and I had babysat, and I was a teacher for nine years, and... Yeah, I did that. I was a single mother of a very active, amazing kid before I got married again and had my daughter so mm-hmm. I, kids are my world and there's an age of maximum mobility mm-hmm. minimum common sense and when you are a sick mother trying to run after maximum mobility and I need to go out and find every way I can kill myself possible as like the two-year-old he's like hey stairs <laughs> um how do you handle that um you know oh good um so my son Griffin is six Great name. Thank you. I like it too. So he's, <laughs> he's now... He is... Uh, he's my little Bam Bam. He's like this little solid... 
force of nature. He's like the most real thing I've ever experienced from the moment I first heard his heartbeat. He's just so... That's a good way to phrase that. He's like, he's an anchor, which he like... The, the parts that hurt me the most are the parts where I see him picking up the habits of chronic illness from me. Like what? Like, I didn't realize how much I moan and groan when I try to do something physically difficult until I see him doing it every time oh. he tries to fix it. He's like, ah. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> Things like that, you know. Sadly cute. It, I mean, he's freaking adorable, but I'm trying not to make him, like, part of getting quote-unquote healthy or physically lean or however we did this a lot of it was trying to um not raise him in my sick bed and Mm. I had a a good solid like I wore him um preemptive strike style because I knew as soon as I put him down I wouldn't be able to pick him up anymore because I have a baby giant he's very big and strong oh and um he's super sweet and caring because he can see the ways that I deal with my days and I really value that in him but I also don't want him to have to be my nurse you know and does he understand that you're sick or do you keep that out I don't I've never been able to to hide it's part of my everyday life and he lives with me and he lives like he's my child so he's been attached to my yeah he's been attached to me in ways that I can't I can't not show him certain things like I try to not overburden him like um when I really started working heavily on um, on my PTSD with a therapist, I um, I also took up slam poetry again because it happened to be on the same night that I had therapy and I didn't want to take trauma mom home to Griffin. So I decided instead I'd Trauma go... mom. If you ever write a book, that's the name. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. So instead I went and hung out with the slam poets. I was like, you know, if I can get on stage and say self-empowering things and have you all cheer for me, that can only help therapy go faster, right? Wow. <laughs> That, that good point. It worked. It was great. Wow. Um, I I sailed through trauma therapy, so that was good. Um, I might need to go see him again, though. Uh, I got lost again. What were we talking about? Oh, we were oh, talking how to about with parenting Griffin. with chronically ill. He, um... And I love I'm what just... you said about an anchor, because in my... Um, I have Eller Stainless and a whole host of other things, but I'm part of the group um, on Facebook for Eller Stainless, and there's some of the younger girls are like really upset about how hard it is to date when you're sick and like oh my god I don't know if I want to have children how do you guys deal with it not having children and all I can think is how the fuck do you do this without kids like if you're going to like my pain level on a on a good day is a six mm-hmm. it's usually a seven eight or a nine and I don't know how I would get up and do this without children like they are a very real reason that you have to get up and live it's real yeah. It's real. I got to, um, I was going to say, I, my son Griffin is six, and my um, fairy goddaughter, I guess, is the terminology these days. My stepdaughter from my I first marriage kept me. Love that. That's so cute. And so now she calls me her fairy godmother because, oh. um, you know, parental politics being what they are, the old marriage is, is hard to talk about sometimes. Oh, yeah. But um, she's now 19. Oh, my goodness. And the ways that wanting to be there for her helped me make it through my 20s when I couldn't draw when like I was disabled and and not I like I think one of the hardest things for me around kids is the ways that um the one thing you're never supposed to do with kids is give up and there are so many ways that I have given up already on my own life on myself Mm -hmm. because like I feel like the the odds are so tremendously stacked and so 
kids help me find new ways to choose back into being on earth. Like I, I always knew that I needed a kid of my own to live for, which is awful, but it's, it's where we're at, right? Like I'm glad that it took me so long to get my own because it helped me find my own strength apart from his existence, but it's still like having him, you're right. He's, he's why I will get up and do whatever I need to do. And he's why I lost hundred pounds. And he's why I, <laughs> which I mean, so you didn't have, did you have gastric bypass surgery or this is, this is purely changing habits? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. We, um, we stopped drinking sodas by the caseload. We, um, Griffin, I just overheard him telling his cousin the, yesterday that his favorite drink is water. <laughs> I was like, that's my kid. He eats salad. Like, we eat salads a lot. We, um, for a while, we had heard this thing on NPR where um, at the back of your brain, there's a switch that notices if you what percentage of time you spend sitting or reclining versus standing. Mm-hmm. And it switches your metabolism based on whether you're a standing creature or not a standing creature. And Whoa. so we switched out to standing desks and we just became people who didn't really sit down much. Like we started walking everywhere for hours at a time, ambling really, not really trying to go fast, but like slouching toward healthy, right? Slouching <laughs> towards, okay, see, another that's book. If you write a, poem. yeah, that's. <laughs> the slam poetry gives you lots of good one-liners. Those are some good one-liners. Yeah, they're like put them together. <laughs> I, I, I will save poems for you if you want later. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I deal with it basically because it's like, it gives me hope and it, it, it's hard, but it's also, um, God, he's so amazing. And I worked so hard and long and thought I wouldn't have him. And now I do. And he's, did you deal with infertility or, well, I mean, it's possible that I wasn't, I had fertility issues. It's hard because again, with the lack of, of actual access to healthcare, um, I, my mom had a lot of miscarriages, so I always kind of figured that I would as well. I had one um, possible miscarriage with a prior relationship, and my wife and I were trying with basting and friends, like, coming over and being the man not so much in the can, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, we were, there we go. We're That's like, a gentle way to phrase that. <laughs> hey, very, very kind friend who would come and use our spare room and, and shamefacedly leave occasionally. <laughs> like, it's not as effective, yeah. really. Like, and John and I tried for over a year, and I was finally like, you know, maybe I'm just, maybe I just can't. Yeah. And so we went to plan B, and then surprise, suddenly Griffin, which I always hate that kind of story for people who are dealing with infertility, because, like, it's not because I gave up on it. I don't think it's just that's how it worked out for us. You know, and I, I, when I started doing this podcast, I really want it to be not just a specific disorder. I honestly think that someone who's dealing with infertility, that's a invisible thing that you are dealing with every day, and it's on your mind, and it changes where your start point is. It really does. It's really hard. It's it's so crushing and financially but... and emotionally. Spiritually, it does not Should leave any in your um, your relationship. Oh God, yeah, I, and like, and not just. I I want to shout out for lesbians who are trying to ask, uh, access fertility who maybe aren't even infertile because there's something so demoralizing about the ways we had to go about doing it. It was really upsetting at a lot of phases that, um, you know, people who are dealing with full blown infertility don't have like have a lot possibly worse like dueling ailments always just really annoys me like I don't know the worst thing you've ever been through is the worst thing you've ever been through no matter how bad someone else's story is yeah so I don't know I feel like humans are just in pain a lot and it's sad 
That was the other thing I wanted from this was, um, you know, my tagline is be kind, be gentle, be a badass, which I was really hoping that this podcast would give people a little more focus on another person. I don't know what they went through today. So I'm just going to be gentle with them. Yeah. Like you do not know why someone's sitting in the handicapped chair. You do not know why the person is falling asleep at work. You don't know. So be gentle. Right. Right. Everyone's struggling. And it's just getting worse with the with the political thing if we go there for a minute. We can try to do it for a minute. I do tend to jump on heart. soapboxes even with my knees to dislocate and um, with my pots and my uh, failing heart rate. It's uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I start getting apoplectic when yeah. I start talking about the Cheeto elect. It's a little oh, hard for me, um, especially I think for one of the things to that's so scary for those of us who have chronic illness is what is this going to mean that he's like talking about opiates and it's like for some of us that is the only way we have pain relief so what I want to ask you about was what do you do for your pain relief you don't take pills is there anything that you do to take the edge off aside from drawing (laughs) do I do um I I do take pills sometimes um not as often as I should. That was that was interesting. You had a question about life hacks. And John I was just going like, to get to that one next time. <laughs> John was like, um, you don't use enough of them. And I was like, I'm sorry, dude. I'm being zen. I'm being zen and making it Good supportive husband. Yeah, he's great. Um, my, my favorite life hack lately is I've been traveling with a tennis ball all the time. And what do you do with a tennis ball? I put it on specific, like a long car ride. I actually made it through four hours in the car yesterday and I'm not even horizontal. Wow. And you are here sitting up. I am here sitting up. (laughs) I had to sleep more this morning, but, um, I took the tennis ball and I move it around and basically the four hours became kind of a massage. Oh, okay. And like the, the tennis ball is good for like standing on if I happen to be somewhere. Um, I do a lot of of random stretching and icing. If I if I think of it and I can bother to lift the water and stuff, I I'll ice bath my feet because the plantar thing is just so annoying. Brutal. It's just... I, if you're really kind with annoying. That is like <laughs> fucking cruel because I have high pain tolerance. Ow. I'm used to it. So it's you know I was like I went into labor. I was like I mean how bad can it really be? Like, <laughs> really bad by the way. Really bad. It was really bad. But then oh my god. Tattoo work. I finally yeah. got my first tattoo. Awesome. And it was hilarious because I was like, I I told the tattoo man that I had actually pulled out the labor management skills, but I didn't tell him that I only really needed one. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the only place where the tattoo, the labor skills actually do help. Is <laughs> I, I do find that Lamaze breathing helps when parenting a teenager. Also, breathing, not Lamaze breathing, but just generally like ebb and flow of, cause I was studying midwifery of the like home birth, like not so much in the hospital type, but, um, like that ebb and flow has been really helpful in traffic jams for me. Oh, nice. Because it helps me approach the traffic jam like labor. It's going to take as long as it's going to take. There's no telling. And if I push on it, it's like the universal theory of, I have, I have a universal theory of oblic. Okay. Are you familiar with it? I've never heard this before. Okay. Is that the, I've only heard it was like the slime stuff, right? It's slime? not slime though. Okay. It's half um, water and half cornstarch. And okay. it's the stuff where if you push on it, it becomes uh-huh. a rock. Oh yeah, I used to make it for it, kids. It flows. Yeah. So I'm convinced that this is a metaphor for the entire universe. Awesome. <laughs> I love that. Because you're alone, it will flow. I'm like, you know, it's cool. I just have to keep <laughs> being relaxed and not cringe when I take so a step. What is this tattoo that you've got? Oh God. Okay. So shy, the the older girl she wanted me to get tattoos oh, of Hermes wings with her Hermes wings on the ankle one and red this one, one yellow is 
This one is for Griffin because it's in the Griffin colors. Oh my goodness. And then she's kind of my phoenix, so red's for Shy Shy, my phoenix. That is a beautiful tribute to kids. Thank you. That is awesome. And I also got another tattoo, which I will show you. And first I just need to say, that's in the most painful place to tattoo. You know, people said that to me, but I was like, that's where Hermes wings go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah, that's where it has to be. Did it hurt or were you able to? It was very painful, but again, I only really needed one labor. Yeah. Like I was the diffuse awareness tool that we teach to laboring moms about how. I've um, never heard this before. Diffuse awareness is basically like, yeah, it really hurts right there. But you have a whole sensory system that's picking up things all over okay. this room. And you could pay attention to other ones. You don't have to focus entirely on the part that hurts. How deeply zen. <laughs> it was. I, I got really involved in a cold draft on the toe on the opposite foot for a while. All right. I was like, yeah, that hurts a lot. I can see why people feel kind of badass when they do this. And I'm I'm over here with my other toe. This all right. Toe. We're just going to. Really cold toe. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I wonder if I should cover that toe, because it's really cold. (laughs) (laughs) I had, um, my mother is very kind and lovely, but she's never had surgery. When I was a teenager, I had knee surgery, and she did not want me to have painkillers, because she felt like I could get addicted. No! And it was all lovingly meant. This was all desperate love, and never having experienced anything like it. So that's how I learned how to meditate, and that was exactly what I did on my own, was I would just go, well, my knee really hurts. A lot, because it was uh-huh. a day after surgery with no nothing. Oh and I learned how to do transcendental meditation to focus yes. on other things. And it was actually a tremendous skill she gave me oh. accidentally and very lovingly. Yes, her mothers, they mean well. So well. And I'm sure my daughter is going to sit somewhere no, in 20 years and say these, like, this not is... the same exact, I, I absolutely committed else. to like new crazy for her. Yeah, but... totally. Yeah. yeah. This one time, I accidentally poured boiling water on my stomach. And my mother called her boyfriend's mother trying to figure out what to do, but I was screaming, right? So she couldn't quite hear. And so um, the the quasi-mother-in-law was like, make a paste of eggs and cornstarch and put that on. It'll draw the heat out. But all mom heard was eggs. So she cracked the eggs on my stomach and they cooked onto my stomach. No, no, no. <laughs> they literally did. Like, she finally got through to the doctor and he was like, you did what? <laughs> I need an explanation he all the like, way through. He's like, clean the child off and bring her to me. <laughs> Oh my god. They literally cooked. It helped though, because like they were pulling the heat out. I I never had even heard of this before. It's amazing. A few years later they put like some chick with a sizzling egg on her stomach in one of those goofy nineties movies. And I was just like, dude, it's not as funny as it looks. No, (laughs) most things aren't. Yeah, that was one of those naked gun movies that my dad liked, I think. Oh, I used to watch those. I can't remember, though. Uh, the memory stuff is getting really bad lately. Yeah. Like, I actually had to ask fun. you if we'd ever met before because I felt like I knew you from, like, we, we were made friends on Facebook through a, a mutual friend. I'm like, did I go to high school with her? Did yeah, I? Yeah. I'm like, God, I have to actually ask her. I have to, like. I was like, and, were you in Hacker Mom? God, like, help me. that. I, and I totally <laughs> would have been if I could have. That sounds awesome. Um, One thing I want to ask you about is, like, what's your daily life like? Like, is there stuff that that would make your daily life easier? Is there, like, for me, like, my biggest... Single-bearer healthcare would make my daily life so much easier. Well, fuck. Universal basic income would make my life so much easier. Um, uh, Oh, God, free college would make my life so much easier. There's all these, like, basic social safety nets that some countries choose to have that that would make my life so much easier. But, yeah, I I still live in America, so we're working on that. Um, Do you think that having... um, Because you're still not at an actual diagnosis... Yeah, am I right in that? Yeah. Do you feel like having a diagnosis would make things easier, just having a name to it, or 
is this just what it is? I feel really foolish for the ways that I crave a diagnosis because it's not like it would actually, it's not like a magic wand that would suddenly fix everything. But there are a lot of times when like coming to talk to you, I felt a lot of anxiety because I feel like I'm not legit because I don't have a name for it. And I feel like that's like I give myself, I managed to eventually give myself a pass there because it's kind of classism in the ways that I've internalized it. Because if the only reason I don't have doctors that I've been working with sustainably for a long time is because of all the ways that it's been impossible to access that kind of thing. Like in my 20s, I was surrounded by people who like to play like, what if we won the lottery tomorrow, right? (laughs) What would you do? And every single time my first answer was, well, I'm going to go see a lot of doctors. And I don't think that it's rational that I have to live in a world where if I were to become tremendously wealthy, then maybe I could be healthy. <laughs> I just, uh, I almost can't even respond to that. That's so true. Like, I'm like, I would like, okay, well, phase one is always the same for me, right guys? I'm going to hire a fleet of doctors and massage therapists and like possibly book some serious time in one of those float chambers. I hear those are good. And like, I don't know what apparently, um, I might be helped with periodic saline infusions because I read that about fibro and I think it might help me too. Like, you know, there's all kinds of things. That's also another one for POTS is getting the the IV solutions and that helps tremendously with, with POTS the, symptoms. With your dehydration, basically? Um, so POTS is where your um, it's uh, autonomic dis... Oh, I'm never going to pronounce it correctly. But basically your heart rate changes drastically from sitting to standing. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Because and blood volume. Exactly. That was the thing that um, my ex was dealing with, with. It was one of the aspects of her fibro was my understanding, but maybe she had POTS as well. I don't know. Our friends at that point were like, you don't have fibro or myofascial pain. You just have God hates me syndrome. <laughs> like everything goes Oh my God. Is that body. a real syndrome? Because I feel like that they should be a syndrome. <laughs> but it was brilliant. I was like, yes. <laughs> Yes, some of us do have God hates me syndrome. But, um, I was the worst serial killer in a past life. <laughs> and finally, I was doing all this research trying to help her with her stuff. Yeah. And I found that thing about like blood volume is why you keep getting dizzy because you just don't have enough of it and mm-hmm. your heart is working too hard. I was like, we need to find someone who will do this because it's like, it's cheap and it's possibly functional and yeah. you could feel better. But like, we live in America and access to just a saline bag every week is going to cost ridiculous amounts of money it's mm-hmm. just crazy i we, we can have a whole social justice show oh, and i think yeah. someday i will just invite <laughs> everyone over and we're just going to talk about what it's like to be sick in america with uh-huh. the bills because i feel like that's an entire like not even just an episode i feel like that would be something i would put into like five parts because there's one of my favorite podcasts is sick boy and it's an awesome podcast. He is just as a reverend and swears about as much as I do. And I adore the podcast, but they're in Canada. <gasps> and listening to what their concerns are versus what all of our concerns are here in America is so vastly yeah. different. Yeah. In places where people have decided that, hey, what if we all had a big GoFundMe for people's health care and Jeez. we called it the government? <laughs> I, I almost feel like we do have to actually start a GoFundMe for a single-payer health care system. I'm and just see if it's like, I, I just feel like if this is the system we're going to be in. Like, if we have to buy lobbyists, why don't we have a GoFundMe page for those of us who need these things to buy a lobbyist? It's just like, I like this. Which, so this great. is how we make our own pack, right? It is. And I think, like, if we're the 99%, well, fucking hell, can't we all just donate $5 to this and, like, get this together? <laughs> like, fix what the government has failed us at? Because, like, listening to them talk in Canada about, oh, the surgery, you know, it's just taken care of. The guy has um, cystic fibrosis. 
which would bankrupt families that don't have the medical coverage. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, yeah, we just go and do this and this and this. So it's like, okay, so you can focus on getting well. Or, I mean, he won't get well, but you can focus on trying to feel better that day. And maintain and maybe have a life on your way out the door, basically. Well, listen like... to Eric Swalwell, and the one thing he said was the freedom to dream. If we yeah. are free from, like, the economic cost of college, the economic cost of health care, like, you are free to start a business. You're yeah. free to... I mean, yeah. I'm trying to do it anyway, because, like, how else do you survive in the modern era when you can't, like, guarantee to a corporate overlord that you can show up every day at the same time? Now, that's something else to talk about, is we're at the same exact age. Okay. And I had always thought, like, by 40, I would have the big career, I'd have the 401k filling up, I would I'd be doing these things, but instead, <laughs> I'm on disability. Yeah. So, is that, like... Do you have um, more security, or are you... I just find that so frustrating. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, I, I was... I was so convinced as a kid, and I guess a lot of it was just ways that the generations don't understand each other, because John points out to me that college was free for our parents in California, so they didn't understand when they told me that if I did good and made good grades that they would send me to college, that, like, that would cost money. Right. Uh, my parents were in the '60s um, and '70s, and it wasn't free in Cal- for them for in California, but they, they could work in the summer and pay for it. It was so cheap. Like, well, for my dad, it was free because of the GI Bill. So there's yeah. that. But like John was talking about, at some point in the not so recent past, there were ways to do college in California for free, and he's like, you know, they. They climbed up the ladder and pulled it up after them, and here we all are. Yeah, that's such a good way to phrase it. The ladder got pulled up with them. So here we are. Yeah. And now, like, um, I feel like everyone's future is so uncertain. Yeah. It's it's hard to talk about with anyone else because I'm, for the moment, kind of stable-ish in mm-hmm. a way that I've not been for a long time and is I don't that have partly any... the strength that you've been getting from all the walking and it's mostly because I mean my husband has dude privilege and he uses it to the benefit of his family dude privileges yeah I'm so curious what this is I, I... um well if you look at systemic oppression in the ways that target and non-target groups play out um, men are favored in pretty much every arena over women and there are ways in which a guy can walk in and fake his way through an amazing job interview or whatever where women will be immediately doubted and like my husband is not only an incredible engineer but he also has like picked good companies to work with and like he has jobs such that he can sustain us oh awesome so you have that i always am like god you know the people on the thing who don't have the the husband or wife or partner and have that it's i'm so lucky i have I have that support. <laughs> I mostly so difficult the other ways. I mostly married well in the ways that he just flat supports me emotionally and like he he helps me to understand the ways that like yes I am limited but there are ways that we could probably troubleshoot parts of that and I don't have to feel so doomed overall. What have you found are the best ways that he's able to support you? Um he helps me see myself and the world around me from a slightly different angle because he's walking along this this path next to me and not being in my body so Mm -hmm. he's helping me to understand um how 
Um, he helps me troubleshoot. He's my engineer. Like I have a lot of daydreams and thoughts about how we could do things and he does a lot better at breaking them down into manageable chunks. He does a lot of um, hearing me out and understanding when I feel hopeless and then offering me a, well, have we tried this? Like what tools could we go to next? You know? That's tremendously helpful to have a sounding <sighs> board that's like this. He's an awesome human and I'm really um, glad that we get to be together. So do you have any like little life hacks that work well for you for dealing with the pain and the exhaustion? I mean, we talked about the tennis ball. Do you have any other things that work really well for you? Um, I really like um, this hook thing. Well, a lot of the things we were trying to figure out, a lot of the things are products, and that's not really life hacks. I, I still think they are. Like my okay. Dyson V7, like the cordless four-pound thing is the only way I can help out with chores. Like yeah. that's my big life hack right now. I can yeah. vacuum without dislocating my wrist. That's real. Yay. That's real. Um, it is expensive, but real. Uh, the shoes are huge. And what shoes do you use for that help out with the planter? These ones are the Dansko. I've got the, they're um, ridiculously cute. I, I feel like I need to go out and buy some. Yeah, thank you. They're, they're pretty awesome. And um, these ones, like every shoe has some good and some bad. Apparently yeah. my foot is low, so my toes always get smashed in the top of things, and that's a whole other axis of pain. But these these ones are pretty good. Um, I have these boots that I wear pretty much every day, all day long. I think they're called, they're Miss Moos. Oh my God, I love that brand. And the the particular boot is called Burn Baby Burn, which made my Bernie Sanders oh, yeah. heart just Yes, I, I, I've seen so many of your Bernie Sanders <laughs> Did you see I drew him? I didn't, but I will. I I'm made a little coloring page. I was like intrigued. leaving it in, in coffee shops trying to get people to vote for him. I, I love your political activism. <laughs> Thank you. So one of the last questions is one of my favorites. Okay. Favorites forward. Oh, this was really interesting. I was going to say um, uh, shit or I did. I was like, I don't know all of them. Right. And then John was <laughs> like, does hell count? It's probably hell. And I was like, Really? I say hell? He's like, oh, God, yes. Like, <laughs> oh, hell yes, you do. <laughs> I was like, I learn things about myself every day. <laughs> Especially when you ask someone these questions. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. We went over them together because I was like, this is already making me emotional. And I'm going to cry. And I need to know when I'm going to answer before I go. And he was like, okay, hit me. <laughs> oh. See, I want to actually interview people together soon. That like, would be fun. Maybe I think it would be really interesting. have good energy. Very well. <laughs> you look so happy when you talk about it, I, which is such a great thing to see. That's a good sign, right? <laughs> you know, I was a photographer for 10 years, and I could almost always tell you who was going to stay together. And a lot of it was just like, if you looked at someone, the expression on the face or the expression on your face when you stand next to someone or if you say their name is almost everything. Like, it's you real. can tell so fast. Yeah. And, and it's not fakeable. It's real. Can I say? Yes. Um, part of the thing that John and I bond on is that we're both psych nerds. And um, he has been getting more into photography lately. Aww. And my favorite part of his photography is the way he brings his personal psych nerd to the photography process. Because he will capture these vignettes of people interacting where I'm like, <laughs> did you have to lay that out so plainly, really? <laughs> like, wow, I can see the faces, the 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 thought bubbles above everyone's head so clearly right there. <laughs> oh my god, I have got to invite you guys over for dinner. And if he loves that kind of photography, Elliot Erwitt is the master of okay. that. I'm sure he would love to see yeah. it. He lo he's, yeah. It's well, cool. I'm so grateful you came over and thank you for talking to me because I'm you. so happy to get to meet you and talk yeah. to you and I'm going to be like cyber stalking you okay. in your artwork now. Okay. <laughs> when I say Ricky was my best friend, what I mean is 
He was my first consensual sexual partner. I turned five. While mom and I lived in his mother's house, he was six. I once pulled his little brother, fallen comrade style, across train tracks in the very neck. Wouldn't know for decades how scared I should have been. They taught me prank calling and ladybug sailing. How to be kind to the kind Doberman and keep my dolls far away from the angry one. Ricky and I were softness and exploration in an already cruel and confusing world. I remember being eight or so, sun drenched in the back of my grandmother's very nice car. I wouldn't know for decades about love languages, but I knew in California I was given things but few hugs and in Texas hugs but few things. I prefer hugs. But it was well known that Daddy Warbucks and family had more money than made any sense and they didn't get as much time to be affectionate, so it made sense to me that they'd want me to have touchstones of affection when I went back to my mother's wars. How could they know? Mom would send them letters, as she says, full of things we never did, places we were never going to be. It wasn't just that we couldn't get above the poverty line. I wouldn't know for decades the term human trafficking. My poor mother. I also hadn't learned the different ways a car can sit that day I was walking home with Ricky. Mom pulled over, countenance confusing, told me only I could get in. Drove away before telling me we would never go back. I would never say goodbye. I wouldn't know for decades that the reason no one understands what I mean when I say we moved a lot when I was a kid is because I don't understand what I should be saying is we were homeless for more of my childhood than I had realized. Only way to explain we have to move whenever someone gets mad, or my doll protects me from the mean girl I share a bed with, or we take my most evil stepdad back 11 times. He's charming. And when he's around, churches don't have to bring us things. Or the motels, national parks, shower shoes. So many different places, I stop calling where I sleep anything other than the house. No, if I learn the path from house to grocery, it's probably time to go. Try out different versions of my name. In different schools, sometimes compassion is a shovel to the gut. Often, my mother wakes up screaming. I will never know how many trains she pulled us from the teeth of. Only reluctantly came to see the damage of rootlessness on a childhood. Perpetual motion was our only way of survival. I ran into Ricky. A couple years later, awkward amongst other kids, eons away from the life we had shared. I have been trying to shift my relationship with cardboard, dismantling all of my boxes, learning to build some belief. I might just get to stay. <laughs>